1: Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello, fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Toon Aries podcast. I'm your host, James, and I'll join as always by my good friend, Timmy Long. Hello. We're back up in Ballymun Access Theatre again with Sinead Crowther, the CEO and founder of Tansticks. How That's a you? lovely name, isn't it? Thank you, yeah. They're you know, like little, uh, jelly lollipops for, it's like an, an, an alternative to strepsils for kids.
0: Exactly. It's a kids kind of alternative. sort so, a, a child-friendly <laughs> throat suitor for children, yeah.
2: Uh, was that an idea that was in your head that has now manifested?
0: Yeah, well, I'm a pharmaceutical technician by trade and I did that. I started that when I was in transition here in school and that was a few years ago <laughs> 30 yeah. years ago and even then parents were coming in looking for something for their kids sore throat and back then there was like these licorice sticks yeah. or glycerin sticks sugar and they'd fly out and then over the years um there was just syrups for kids but they don't taste great all the time and it's really messy yeah. and I used to joke with my friends and when in work saying I have this idea for a kid's throat, soother, I'm gonna do it one day and sure never I had no skills to do with that so I just thought that would never happen you know with yeah. that conversation around the table oh this is a yeah. great idea look no uh, yeah. but
3: do you know um will we bring her right back to the start and let's find out who Sinead is so um just give us a little bit of context where you grew up yep. fam- family dynamics and how it was for you in school or anything else and we'll go from there
0: actually yeah I suppose to start is important isn't it so yeah. I am the youngest of six from Finglas um, a working class family Um, My dad did the thing where he went to work, handed up the money, um, he had the drinks Thursday night, Sunday night. (laughs) You never knew what form he was going to come home in. Some night you'd get this is the way to Amarillo, serenaded and another night you'd be in terrible form, you know, but that was quite typical of the eighties was at the time. And my brothers and sisters all worked in jobs. Um, I was the first to do my Leaving Cert and it was nearly like the Notions to this one doing or leaving certain, don't, they were all real supportive, you know. Yeah. But growing up in Northside Dublin, you know, um, I suppose my family we show each other we love each other by slagging each other, you know? yeah. yeah. You know? Seven so, I suppose <laughs> <laughs> if someone said something nice, you'd be like, Are they sick? Like, well, what? what? <laughs> um, so an insult is, is how we greet each other, I suppose. Um, exactly. so there's a big age gap. Like, my sister is 18 years older than me, she'll hate me saying that. Actually, yeah, I'm sorry. We off
2: yeah, the sorry about
0: that. Um so yeah, that was all fairly typical. And then I was the last one at home, of course, and they'd all married and, and gone off. In school, I was really, really painfully shy. Um, I think when you're the youngest sibling, and this isn't anything mm-hmm. negative about my family, aren't they brilliant? Um, when you're the youngest, a lot of times you get, What do you know? Shut up. You're uh, you know, you're <laughs> five. What do you know? You know, that type of thing. And so you kind of grow up thinking, I don't really, I'm not really that important or no one values my opinion, you know. And and in school I was just clever, right, but I always played it down. Because from Finglas, you were a swap or you were a nerd. Uh-huh. Um, and I had a tough time in secondary school with that because I was so shy. Mm-hmm. And I had my two or three little friends who were similar. And Finglas is tough, you know, and they're all hard nuts. And no one was there mm-hmm. to go on to do master's degrees. Yeah. They were there just because they had to be in school till they were 15. Yeah. A lot of the people... So uh, I found that hard in secondary school. So I just played the intelligence. and I, can st- I never used to want to say I was intelligent. I thought that was arrogant. Mm-hmm. I played that under the radar the whole time and took that into probably relationships I was in as well, maybe, where I didn't want to be um, outshining anyone. Do you know? So uh, that, that's how it started. Yeah.
3: How did um? How, where did a pharmacy c- technician yeah, work? So
0: I, w- I knew I wanted to do something uh, medical. My mum had asthma, right? This is, I suppose, how it started. And I used to be fascinated as a young child that she'd take her inhaler, right? And then she could breathe and I'd be like, why did that do that to her? And I used to think, and then the paramedics would come, she got carried off in the ambulance a lot. And I'd be like, this 10-year-old, because I was the only one in the house, saying to the paramedics, she's on like this tablet and she takes these two (laughs) inhalers. For some reason, even at a young age, I was interested. So my transition year school teacher put me into this pharmacy for work experience. Mm. And I absolutely loved it. I think the lady who owned the pharmacy, it was in O'Devony Gardens, just off uh, the North Circular Road. She'd been there like 40 years and she knew everyone in the community, like from the grandparents down to the grandkids. And they had such respect for her. And back then, there was no Google. Mm-hmm. So anything I wanted to know, she'd say, See that big book over there? You look it up. And that just fueled my passion for learning in a real positive way. And I think that's probably why I liked it so much. Do you know, I loved she the was, idea yeah. of someone will come in with a problem and she could help, and I felt I'd like to have that feeling of yeah. helping. So, it just really suited me.
3: She yeah. was your little, she was your guide. So the she
0: mentor, the yeah. first real mentor, and a, a woman in in business a long time. Like when she started her business, you gave up work when you got married in the fifties. She started <laughs> business because this was back in the early nineties. Now, when I was fifteen, and um, <laughs> so it, she was really rare. Anyway and she would a big picture of the Pope in the dispensary and like she didn't um, dispense the pill or anything it was against public <laughs> oh, Catholic <God>. beliefs
3: and,
0: <laughs> do you know but she uh, in spite of that she was a brilliant woman you know I don't mean in spite of that that's yeah, yeah, it yeah. she was a great person in the community and I suppose she inspires you yeah
3: yeah mm-hmm. she so, was great so you finished you went down completed your yeah, learning, so sorry.
0: I actually started a science degree and it was in talent. and here's the thing about coming from Fingless. Your school guidance counsellors don't really map out a lot of options for you. Like my friend got told she could get a job at Tesco. That'd be the level, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, that you should aspire to. Mm -hmm. And so I suppose I I was bright in some ways and they they must have noticed that and encouraged me to to apply for college. And we did, a few friends did. But being from Finglas, all my family worked. So I would have had two jobs at 15. Mm -hmm. So I worked in a bar and then I worked in the evenings and I worked in the pharmacy at weekends because you just had to work if you needed money. Very different to now where kids' parents provide everything. And so I had to get two buses in the morning to Tala, or TC it was called back then, and two buses home and then do a shift in the bar and I couldn't maintain it. And so that was the first time I felt like I was a failure because I had to drop out. (laughs) And I suppose that's one another reason why coming from an area like that, you don't have the same opportunity or it's not as easy. I'm not saying it's impossible because loads of people do well, well, for me and so then I was thinking oh I'm just
3: I Do you know what you said something there about um, the, the dropping out and having the two two jobs and doing the degree at the same yeah. time like that's there's three people in there you know there's three people in you're trying to keep everything going and I can relate to the and mm. um, lately, just pack up a master's that I was doing because we're doing the podcast. I have a full time job, I have two young kids, I have so much going on, and I had to pull back. And Sometimes, something like that is just about really looking at your priorities and minding yourself. Yeah, in that, James. absolutely.
0: But you're 18, and so a lot uh, of other people are doing it, you know, but they weren't maybe getting the two buses, or maybe they'd more financial support. Yeah. I didn't need two jobs, things like that. Yeah. So that's when I realised, you know, I'm just going to take a year out and I'll try the pharmaceutical technicians course. That's probably more at my level. Uh, yeah. That's what I did. Was
2: that a further education college then?
0: Yeah, it was like a post Leave Insert uh, diploma level, I suppose level five or six yeah, now that would be. That, that. And that the first year of that was in uh, the post Leave Insert school in Finglas called uh, Klosht Eda. And then the second year was six months in the pharmacy and six months in Trinity College. So I got to do six months in Trinity College. And as a young child, I used to always, when I was in town with my mum, dream about going through the art. (laughs) Uh -uh. So it was...
3: so, you went down you know. to be a pharmacist, engineer. Pharmacy Pharmaceutical a few years.
0: technician, there. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it's just yeah. the hard work. Yeah. Yeah.
3: We <laughs> call her a PT, so. Yes. so what's your
2: role in the pharmacy in so, relation to the pharmacist?
0: So, you do all the running around, and they take all the credit. Oh, I know every yeah. pharmacist is going to, hey, I said that. No. Um,
3: we just said one animal <laughs> for <before> you. <Yeah. laughs>
0: Um, so what you do is you take the prescriptions in, you dispense them, you can read, the, you you have an understanding of what the drugs are for, how many times a day to take them, what they interact with. But you don't understand, going to get all science, you know, the pharmacology of it, as in what happens in the cells in the body when you take the medicine. That's what the pharmacist knows. So you've this level here, but they have like...
2: Deeper knowledge.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a really important job that people underestimate mm-hmm. the responsibility of it, you know. Mm. But I loved, it. I loved it because you're dispensing and then you're helping people at the counter. Sure. And then there's cosmetic side where you get to try out all the yeah. lip glosses and all that. That's great for a girl, I suppose. Um, mm. And just the sense of community and the staff. I always just had a laugh with the staff. You know? mm. So I just enjoyed it. I, I mean, I did it for 25 years.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I dipped in and out of other things. Yeah. This is the thing I suppose that would indicate I had entrepreneurial
2: yeah, yeah, spirit
0: yeah. is... I was always still curious to try other things.
2: Yeah. So you went from, do you know, uh the college into the pharmacy. Yeah. It wasn't a linear path from college to pharmacy to see or no. you had your ups and downs along the way as well. Many. Do you wanna, do you wanna yeah. talk to us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, so um yeah, life was ticking along well. I got married, I had three children in five years. Um did this did the property ladder thing where we bought three houses in like three years or something in the boom Mm. and everything was going great. But, um, I had also had a miscarriage and so I had four pregnancies in five years and I suppose that must have took took a toll on me, um, emotionally. And I would have been suffering from postnatal depression, but didn't realise. I suppose that impacted my marriage and my, my marriage came to an end, you know, and then I found myself in the position. I had these three kids and I was, Paying the mortgage, paying the car loan, um, and trying to find a way to get to work, juggle the childcare mm. while having really bad anxiety and depression. Um so my children's fathers are very much is very much in their lives and he take them in the evenings at weekends and then that's when I go to work. But in between that, being a lone parent is terribly isolating. Mm. And when you're a lone parent with three children, financial um, responsibilities and depression, like it's a it's a bad mix. And I had that dangerous depression where no one outside the house knew because mm-hmm. I'm the joker. Mm-hmm. I hate being in a room with someone where they're kind of, I try to bring this energy to make someone laugh yeah. because I know how I'm feeling yeah. and I don't want anyone else to be feeling like that. So in a shift in work with me, we'd be having a laugh, you know, and then I'd be in the car going home going, oh my God, am I going to make it in time for the sports? There's, there's no one there to tag team in when you go home. Yeah. When you close the door, it's you. You have to get the sports. You have to get... And I'm not complaining about that. You know, I'm so lucky to have I my know, children. With, but
2: you're, with, with the kids, yeah. like it's it's all about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're neglecting your own yeah. needs. Like, yeah. And you're not being hard. And...
0: Yeah. Well, the thing is, when you're a lone parent, you're in a lockdown. Like people talked about being in lockdown in the pandemic. You're, lone parents are in lockdown once their children go to bed at night. You can't leave the house for a hobby. Most lone parents I know can't afford to pay a babysitter to go out Mm. to do a class outside or go to aerobics. You can't afford the aerobics class. Mm. I know I wasn't making the ends meet. Like I wasn't making the ends meet. I fell into arrears with the mortgage. Then you had the bank ringing you twice a week. You're this much in arrears to have to pay off it. You're this much in arrears. At one point they said, you're going to have to just surrender the keys now. And I thought, over my dead body, am I surrendering the keys? Because back then on the street I lived, there was one house that was rented out. And families only lasted a year in it because the neighbours complained about the noise. And I, this was back in two, 2008, 2009. And I remember thinking, I have three boys who can be loud and they play football. Imagine mm. renting a house and someone complains and then we're constantly moving around. And all I wanted for them was stability. So no matter what, my goal was keep the house, pay the mortgage. That was my literally my goal every morning, make sure they're fed and they've, you know, everything they need for school. Yeah. That's it.
2: Did you ever have to go to court or anything over the house or the job was just about managers?
0: Um, the courts, yes. I was I was in courts for different reasons. So I have to tell you, I had a second relationship. Um, and when you're not happy or confident in yourself, you're not going to have a very fulfilling relationship because you might get into a relationship that's yeah. not good for you. Um, again, different personalities. That didn't work out, but I had a child with that person as well. Yeah. The more fit, the more you in your head, you're failing, the more you're seeking validation that you can have a loving relationship, yeah. you know. And so you might continue that cycle till you realise it's not working.
2: It's an inside it's, job. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't matter of who it is. Yeah. So
0: I didn't see my value. I'm not going to pick a partner who maybe necessarily yeah. valued me, you know. um, Other issues, but anyway, that's, that's what that was at. And so I had a fourth child then and my postnatal depression hit hard then because I had chosen to have another baby and I had started the cycle again so I couldn't forgive myself for that mm-hmm. the dream baby
3: mm-hmm.
0: he slept through the night from an early age um, but then I had two access plans to manage yeah. another mouth to feed the other lads were at an age where it was getting easier mm-hmm. and I just took all of the responsibility on this on my shoulders again well you chose this and I did ultimately you know and then you feel like you don't deserve the right to be helped because you chose it. You made your bed line. You're an absolute dope. Like, what are you doing? But then you've besotted with these children,
2: uh, you know. Um, emotions.
0: Yeah. And uh, so I had to go through courts a number of times. The courts, I found traumatic. Legal aid. So you'd pay, you, you get a grant. It's means tested and they give you so many things, visits to court with a barrister, but they don't get resolved. And I have to say, the court system is broken. There's no focus on actually what the children need. It's managing, I don't know, what the parents feel is best, but no one's actually looking at what is the best for the child. Mm. And that really Mm. broke me. And the first couple of times you're like, well, when we go to court, this is all going to get sorted. And that's the access plan. And they're going to pay this much. And we'll just go on about our lives. But the plans aren't adhered to. And what devastated me was you might go, say someone's late with access or pick up or drop off or whatever, and you'll go, I need help with this. Um, they, they didn't come this weekend for access, so I couldn't go to work. I had to ring in to work and now I'm down the pay. And this is, I'm barely making it as me as it is. Mm. They're not enforced. No one enforces them. Yeah, Garda, you don't enforce them because it's a family matter. I hate doing this, but... Yeah. Um, And you're in the cycle.
2: What about with with the bank and the mortgage and stuff? Did that ever go to court?
0: No. So um, I I went into the mortgage arrears resolution process. And so you know how the banks help. So they increase the mortgage for the first six months. Lovely. (laughs) Then they decrease it for six months and then they level it out at what you were paying. And then any arrears, um, they um, capitalise, I think it's called, and add it to just... Yeah, the yeah. so this is all going on while you're just trying to get your kids to school yeah. while you're trying to be perky what kind
2: of support did you receive when you were going through financial difficulties were you engaged with MABS or anybody like that
0: Um, I did engage with MABS but um, basically they were just you know coming up with a plan uh, to reach out to the places but you still have to pay everything yeah yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. it doesn't give you money in your bank
0: it though. doesn't it doesn't make yeah it doesn't make your bank balance it,
3: it it, MABS can help if, if the finances are there yeah. but if they're not there yeah They can't help you, like, you know.
0: The thing about the courts is uh, when you're, when you have legal aid, you're dealing with a barrister in their office, but on the day of the hearing, let's say, for access, and you're not used to that environment. A barrister rocks up that you've never met before at 10 to 9, and they'll say, right, real quick, in the next 10 minutes, give me your whole history, what's going on? And then they go into the courtroom to represent you, and you're not allowed to speak. And it's, it's a joke, and then it's not going to get resolved because they don't even know your history. Right. And then you have to go away and come back. The other thing is if anyone was late, and this hasn't happened to me, but friends of friends now who were separated in in this situation, if their partners didn't pay their access or the maintenance, they have to miss it for two months. Right. So you then or this person then has to go without that money, which is essential, for two months before they can take that person back to court. Then you could be waiting four months to court. So that's six months they haven't paid, right? They could be in a raise of a thousand euro at that stage. And then when you get back into the court, the judge says, well, look, he'll just pay you the arrears of five or a week. Mm. That's literally taking the food out of the children's mouth. And you're just told all the time, sure, look, you'll have to manage. You're sure. figuring this out anyway.
2: But all that pressure, all the pressure. and the depression, what, what was your darkest moment? Like, can you remember like, how low it got?
0: Yeah, so like, that's a lot of external pressures, like getting, first of all, what your children need. One of my children had asthma, so he was up every night coughing and he didn't sleep. Your anxiety, I used to love bedtime, right, the kids would be going to bed, but then I dreaded because my anxiety kicked in. I'm not enough, am I going to have enough money to pay their school tour? Um, and then I felt like I had to have them pristine or else people would think I wasn't a good man. Yeah. So I'd be ironing all their clothes and yeah. making sure the house was spotless. It's like my mum years ago, like in think, they should say, that one's living on her nerves, you know, but it was really... I suppose that was people with anxiety yeah. um, and then I was just constantly checking the bank account is there enough this week or I pay everything out and you've literally 60 quid for food you know and I was too ashamed to tell anyone mm. like I'm saying this depression outside the house no one knew my kids had food in their lunchbox we had sausages and mash for dinner we had the basics but what was failing what, what there wasn't enough was money to pay the mortgage or I had a credit union loan for a banger of a car but I needed the car to get to work and um, I just felt like my kids deserved a better man who could give them more. Yeah. And I was in it. And I, I the love you have is consu- like when you just want the best for them. But at the same time, you're saying, but you're doing a shit job. Mm. But you're not doing a shit job. That's depression telling mm. you. They are in their house. They got bedtime stories. Don't get me as best as
2: you can, like. Yeah.
0: Like, I mean, I obviously was ratty. I was tired. I was under pressure. There was external pressures from other, other um kind of drivers coming in yeah. Um, and all the while they were tucked into bed. I probably was shouting, I probably was grumpy, you know, and then you're beating yourself up. I snapped at them today. I snapped at them today. They're only small and I'm after snapping. So it's another reason why they deserve better. So this all came to a head where I just thought I can't. Like the house is getting the bank wanted it back. I, w- I wasn't making the shifts and work because one of them was always sick. And then you are you don't have enough money. And I just said, you know what, And here's the scary thing, right? It becomes crystal clear when you're depressed, what you need to do to remove yourself. I've never really talked about this before, in that it's as clear as like that mic's in front of you. Yeah. You just need to be gone. And here's the benefits to the world when you're gone out of it. You're actually, you're caught, like, my mum was worried about me. And I didn't want to keep dragging her into it, so she she's reaching a certain age. She shouldn't be worrying about me, I'm an adult. I wasn't providing enough for my kids. I couldn't pay the the bills. I was letting my boss down because couldn't show up for work if they were sick. Mm. Um, my friends were probably getting bored listening to it so I stopped talking to them about it. Then you stop going out because you can't afford to go out so you're even more isolated. People never say, I actually would love this to be shared. If you have a friend who's a yeah. lone parent they can't make it out. They're either going to say they've no babysitter or whatever. They can't afford it. Yeah. They can't afford to go out with you for that yeah. brunch. Come to them like show up at their house with a load of muffins and some coffees you know take that and make them feel part of it because I'd be like of course I'd am no love to go and then I'm sitting there going I I don't even fit in there anymore there's no place for me anywhere and so I remember it it came to a point where um, I'd had a bad day I think I shouted at the kids and I said there's not enough now for the mortgage and if I'm gone this mortgage will be paid as part of my life insurance and their dad wouldn't have to worry about that part, and he could just, you know. Right. Now I, not a lot of conversations other than access yeah. on the personal front, and I sat down at the table to write the letters because I was determined that they wouldn't go, thinking I didn't love them.
2: Suicide so we'll letter.
0: Yeah. So it's a plan. Um, I won't be going into what it was, or unless you want me yeah. to. And <laughs>
3: um,
0: I don't want it to be a how to do this. No, but no, no,
3: no. It's you can talk. about Yeah. That. Okay. If so we, if the plan can help anybody. So this is it. this
0: is. For real, I've never said this before. So the plan was I was going to the fumes of the exhaust in the car on the beach because I didn't want to be found and didn't want my children to have to live in the house where their mummy was found because mm. all I was thinking about was them. Yeah. I was writing the letter to tell them that I wasn't doing this because I didn't love them. I was doing it because I loved them, yeah. that they deserved better. And that when I was gone, all their problems would be gone, you know. And then I realised, um, so I was writing the letter and I couldn't see because I started crying. And I had pictures set out to um, for them to have of me with them, right? And I uh, I couldn't see the page because I was crying so much. And I said to myself, I'm not, uh, so it was the next day. Like and I said, I'm not going to leave without them knowing. Like, this is so important to me that they know. And then I went to bed, I cried myself to sleep. And then one, the guy who's always sick woke up coughing and I went and to I took his hand and then daylight came and I and I said, what, what am I actually doing? Like, it's better that they have a bad man than no man, because I yeah. was labelling myself a bad man. a no man at all. Like
3: And just, just to stop it there, yeah. that is actually how you do feel and think when you're completely depressed. Mm-hmm. The
0: clinical, yes, it's, a, it's an illness, it's uh, not so you know, there's no
3: hope. Like, there's I, no, hope. no hope,
0: the world is actually worse than me in it because uh, I'm just causing all these problems. Do you uh, know what I mean? But, but depression's lying, that actually isn't the case. But you're not telling people about these darkest feelings, you're just saying, Oh, sure, look, I snapped at the kids, and people will say, Sure, everyone, lied. I did that today, but they don't know you're ruminating on that, yeah, and it's all you can think about, you know, and um, trying to be put on this front so your kids don't pick it up. But I'm sure they, they did. You know, I haven't talked to my own children about this in great detail. So, yeah. you know, they know I suffered from depression at times. Um, so that that's the scary part. And I, if that, if I had been able to write those letters, I would have 100% gone to the beach the next day. Yeah. And in my mind, I was doing it for them. But then, do you know what thought struck me the next day? Um, I was thinking I want to be so when you're suffering from from depression you think you're selfish Um, everything you do for yourself is selfish like you've no right to time down or you've no right to to time to yourself or to buy out from yourself because that's taken like it's really bad illness that people do and and the other thing about depression is you can be happy while you're depressed Mm. like i go into work and have the crack with my colleagues Mm. I'm the biggest joker I love having fun
3: you ever feel like a fawny then though?
0: No, because when I'm, you're head, like that. I cr- I seek it out because yeah. I really felt like I so was...
3: You have to put that mask on while you're Yes. Yeah. But then that mask is masking the emotional stuff then underneath as well. Yeah, Yes. Yeah. And, and for, for me...
0: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
3: When I'm, if I'm bad, and, and I have to be in, in, in a social context, and they have to be a certain way, and I'm feeling in here different to the way I'm looking over here, I feel like a phony. I yeah. feel not, not that I'm dare to impress or hurt, do anything for anybody. It's just for me. I feel like I'm not being myself because I feel fucking miserable inside. You know, I haven't felt like that in a long time.
0: Yeah, thankfully, that's winning it well. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I, I feel slightly different for me. It's that I am enjoying in that in that moment and I wish I could take it home with me. It's a distraction from my for my thoughts. And so I loved the shifts, the shifts in work. But the next day when daylight came and I got my kids up and you're giving them hugs and they're calling you mammy and their little hands and yeah. I used to love like they're young men there but I used to love smelling their hands like they smell like leaguer biscuits so, you know, <laughs> just all those gorgeous things you don't realise they go so fast um, I oh, You had
3: four kids this dish, Yeah, Yeah, right?
0: I remember thinking um, I'm doing this to end my pain but really it's going to cost them so much mm. and in the end that's why I didn't Um, So anyway, things escalated financially. How
3: did you deal with the the aftermath?
0: So I kind of just, that thought kept me from doing it, that by you taking this action, Sinead, you're going to end yours, Mm -hmm. but you're going to impose a whole wealth of pain on them. And it doesn't matter what you're writing a letter. They'll never understand that it was because you loved them. They'll (laughs) think it's because they weren't enough. And I grew up thinking I am not enough. And I didn't want to inflict that on them. So I just thought it's going to continue. Mm-hmm. feeling like a, like life isn't really m- for me to enjoy. It's just to be their mom now. Yeah. And that's honestly what got me up every day. Um, but I didn't magically feel joy. So it escalated, things escalated financially and I was missing more and more work. And then my little guy, I was having trouble finding the youngest guy um, babysitters on a Sunday because my shifts and work required me to do Sundays and it was coming up to Christmas. And the other thing about being separated is... The courts will say, you know, the other non resident parent will have to pay half Christmas, half of school costs, and that. But the other annoying thing about the system is the parent who's resident has to pay it all up front. So a school costs a thousand euro and then you
2: look have look for f- it afterwards. And
0: then look for afterwards with receipts. And they might only pay 10, 15 euro, 25 quid a week till so that part is clear, but you have yeah. to find it. Then. all this pr- and then it's their kids come home with letters from invites to birthday parties that's ten or school go just of them yeah so Christmas was coming and the lists were in and I'd missed a lot of work and I'd had disciplinary hearings about you know we, you're not fulfilling your contract you, we might have to let you go. And I was like, I have no hope. and You know, despair, anxiety, it's all It
3: wasn't like you were at home getting fucking drunk. No. Or stoned. I 20 you 20 were mining four kids. And 20 you're-
0: hours a week and work because I couldn't afford a yeah. mine full time. And I actually didn't want to leave them full time. Yeah. Um, so lone parents yeah. and fists and all that jazz yeah. and you're the calculator every week. And so I had borrowed 600 euro from a money lender. And I was like, right, that'll be my half of Christmas. Um, and then I just need to get food and whatever. And I went to work on this particular Sunday and I just had a bad feeling. I had a really bad feeling going that day. I don't know what it was. And I just was like, anyway, shake it off. This is anxiety talking. It's not real. Yeah. Go off and <laughs> go to work. And I had a great day at work. It was Christmas jumper day. We were having a laugh. And I was like, oh, Jesus, you have to push through this anxiety because it's just an idea in your head. It doesn't make it real. Um, and then I got a phone call at four o'clock and there was just screaming in the background. And the babysitter had said, "There's an accident. Come home, you know." So my little boy, who was two, had pulled the boiling potatoes over himself, and he was so small, and uh, oh, it was it was his leg and foot. And um, when I ran in, he he kind of stopped breathing in my arms and stuff. And I just I was going to go in a taxi, and then I just rang the ambulance, and they they stayed on. And um, it's the shock of a, of a, a severe in your body can just shut down. Ah. And so I was having an out-of-body surreal experience where my baby's in my arm. I'm on the phone to the paramedics and they're telling me to sing Peppa Pig or something me new. Probably going to get emotional. I always okay. get out. And um, I was like, this is all your fault. Mm-hmm. You, you've done this to him, you know. Anyway, we went into hospital and he developed sepsis 24 hours later. And then for 10 days, he needed skin grafts. He tore a the babysitter was traumatised, the paramedic had to go in there. And um, Christmas was coming, my mum moved into the house and uh, was helping with school. My neighbours were helping with school. Their dad was helping with school. And um, I was trying to get Christmas online on the hospital ward. I was trying to tell the boys he wasn't that sick because I didn't want them to worry. And then um, after 10 days, the sepsis just wasn't going. He was all red and he was. they were giving him morphine. He's only two and a half. And the whole time in the hospital I was just saying, if you had it topped yourself, this wouldn't have happened. Do you know? And it's all your fault. Mm. And in the meantime, Mam Mode is kicking in for the judiciary and I'm ringing them and going, no, he's he's, he's doing okay. And mm. You can't leave a child when they're in hospital in, on a ward. So I couldn't go to the toilet or go to a shower. My friends and stuff were coming up to visit. They were bringing me food. And uh, the night before my 40th birthday, it's, it's so dramatic. Like...
3: Oh,
0: yeah. Um. The doctors came in and said, look, there's no more antibiotics like we can give for the sepsis. You know, um, and I I hadn't been in touch with his dad.
3: Sepsis is poison in the blood.
0: Yeah. So it's an infection. So due to the boron, his immune system took a hit. Mm -hmm. And so you might get an infection, but sepsis consumes your bloodstream. It's not, you know, you have a chest infection, it's your lung or you have tonsillitis, it's your throat. It's in your blood and antibiotics um, weren't working and it was 10 days and he couldn't get his skin grafts because he had sepsis, you can't operate with an infection. And we had to keep changing the stress and yeah. it was the most horrific thing. Like, And um, so I said, right, I'm going to have to let his dad know now because if if something happens, I, I have to do the right thing. Yeah. I have to give him the opportunity to come up. And I just thought I'd create a whole load of shit for myself by telling them how, how he was in the hospital, and it wasn't right. I should have told him the first day, but we were we were on speaking terms on and off, and this was a kind of an off speaking terms thing. So anyway, he came up, he came up immediately, and and John was transferred then to Crumlin, and so sorry. The next morning I turned forty, but that night when the doctors came in and said we can't do any more on the sepsis front, I kind of took his little hand and I said, um, please get better. And like, well, I'll really try hard to to change our circumstances and I promise we'll never be in this situation again. And um just don't don't give up, you know. And his temperature was 40 that night, and there was just not nothing anyone was able to do. And then I dozed off, and then the next morning he was kind of it's only yeah. baby, sitting up and and chatting. He wasn't really chatting because he's on on, on morphine a lot. And then he pointed to his bowl and asked for Krispies. Rice Krispies, right? And he, he hadn't eaten. He hadn't eaten in 10 days. And I was like, you want rice krispies? we get you all the rice krispies. And it was my birthday. Yeah. And in Crumlin, they have all activities for Christmas and they'd like carol singers. And I was like, it's a miracle. Like It's the best miracle ever. It was a miracle. Yeah. And um, he had a skin grafts. And he, we made it home for Christmas. And I was working in Tesco Pharmacy at the time. And all my colleagues sent home in the delivery van like crates of food. I'm really going to get emotional now. When people are kind to you,
3: you get them,
0: you know, you're yeah. hiding things and feeling yeah. on your own. And um, it's completely overwhelmed. A big feckin' turkey came up. And um, my friends and, you know, everyone had pulled around family, the dads, and, and organized Christmas and that. And uh, Santa came. And I was like, we're never going back. And my GP had over the years had tried to get me on antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds. And being the pharmaceutical technician, I was like, no, but I don't have depression. I'm just a waste of space. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though I'm in that sector, <laughs> and I would tell everyone else. Because
2: we talk, we can talk to ourselves in a way we we would never speak to another yeah. person like that.
0: And you don't know, you don't realise. And the thing is, you know, like the builder whose own house is an absolute
3: Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he's, yeah.
0: everyone else is, you know, is tipped up. <laughs> it was kind of a bit of that. So. You I'd made a, a
3: promise, didn't just? I made a promise.
0: And I went to counselling then through Drogheda, um, Women's Refuge, they are great to support women in general, whether you're, you know, yeah. whatever your circumstances. And I just met the best counsellor because I tried over the years and the counsellor wasn't right for me. And I'd say that's really important.
2: Absolutely. It's all about the relationship. I
0: didn't know that because I went to a counsellor <laughs> before and this was the session. Kind of tentatively trying to say, I feel like this. And they were the classic thing you see in the telly. And why? Why? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> like, that's why I'm here.
3: Yeah. I, you have to laugh, though. Oh, it's right, such a so stereotype, like, it's yeah. such a sort yeah. of a book, like.
0: I didn't know. <laughs> if put, when I go to this counsellor now, they're going to solve my problems. And yeah. just like, that was absolutely pointless. Um, so this other counsellor, she was brilliant from the time I met her. First of all, she just heard me. She just let me talk. And then she said, you know, you're doing the best you can. And she would give me scenarios, like, and frame things in a way I never thought of before. So I'll give you an example. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. I thought it was hideous, right? Um, Like I'm no JLo, right? (laughs) But I'm probably, I'm not the worst either, right? But at the time, I couldn't look in the mirror at myself. I just was repulsed and that was part of my self-esteem and whatever. And she was saying, if you had a best friend and you were going out on a night out, and you were getting ready and you put your gear on and you're standing in front of the mirror and your best friend was saying, that dress is desperate on you. The state of your hair. Are you really going out mm. like that? You're horrendous. Would you hang out with her? Mm. And I was like, Jesus, no why?" And she goes, well, that's who you carry in here every day all day.
3: That critical mind, yeah. Mm. That I was, voice. I didn't
0: look at her like that before.
3: Yeah, because that's what we was
2: saying. Like, we speak to ourselves in a way, if somebody yeah. else speaks to us like that, we yeah. slap.
0: You, But you wouldn't be around it. Mm. She's like, so you are actually doing this yourself and that in combination with the antidepressants, right, just changed everything. I started to understand that I was not well. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't thinking these things. It's a, it's a chemical imbalance in your brain, mm-hmm. depression, that you can't fix yourself and you need, you know, for me it was the combination of counselling and the medication. And then I need That's
3: important as well, yeah. the medication side, it yeah. works. And it, it doesn't does work for yeah. and,
0: I mean, as a pharmaceutical technician, mm-hmm. I can dish out the advice where... It takes a while to get the dose right, but just yeah. don't give up. Like yeah. nothing that's worthwhile comes easy or it doesn't be solved in a day. Mm. And you, you get side effects like the side effects where I really dry him out or I was starving all the time. Yeah. But for me, and people hate this, right? When I get stressed, I lose weight and other people comfort eat and they put on weight. Yeah. But I was at the point where my head looked too big for my body. I was so thin. Yeah. But that wasn't deliberate. I physically couldn't stomach food from stress and I'd feel sick after a mouthful but there you are making sure your kids oh, yeah. have their lunch yeah. box filled and everything so the combination really worked for me and then I was saying I need to have a job so I never went back to work that day I didn't tell you that that was the last I, I didn't know that was my last day in that job I never went back and when when the little guy got out of hospital I said I have to find I went on full time lone parents I was terrified if I left them something oh, but the, other than when they were with their dads yeah that something would happen to them. Yeah. The phone now is still, the phone is always, I'm looking at it to see if they're a call or if they're on. And this is seven years now.
2: The palm from it, like. Yeah.
0: And I'd be thinking, it's the one time you wouldn't have your phone on, something would happen. Um, I never God. went back to the job and then New Year's Day, 2017, I woke up, I wasn't sleeping and um, I woke up at five and I'd like, the load in the washing machine, the dishwasher was on. <laughs> I had the thing out going, what am I paying my bills with? Like because we got out on the 23rd of December out of hospital and I hadn't gone back to work and Tesco had had a whip around, they gave me cash in an envelope and I was like, that's two weeks. Wait, like these are normal people, no money to spare and they did that for me and it was like they, someone actually, I like I must matter that they did this. All these acts of kindness, you just don't know what they're going to do for another person.
3: Do you know what, do you know, when people see somebody really in need, or I don't know, is it an Irish thing or ours is just, is it a hum, humanistic thing? When people see a genuine person that's in need, like, they'll go with that extra length. And that's when I see the real love and humanity coming out in people, when they can see themselves in somebody else where they're really stuck, you know. And and it it's that story there really shows us that... No, we live in a world where there's a lot of madness going on, wars and people being killed for nothing. Yeah. Okay. And, but if we focus on that negativity and that bad stuff, we'll start thinking everything is is bad and everybody is. But when you hear these stories mm-hmm. of the kindness of, of, of the staff of, of the Tesco, yeah. like that changes your perception and we need to hear more of that stuff, particularly, you know, kindness. but we don't hear it. Nope. And that's why we need to hear it because that gives people hope mm-hmm. in the in, in humanity and yeah. it allows us to know that. Do you know what? It's not all for nothing.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know that that little like everyone puts the money in and it made it made my Christmas and my kids' Christmas. Um, so yeah.
2: When did you get the ball rolling on the idea? The for business. The, so the I business. woke up that
0: New Year's Day and while I was in the hospital you know um, you have to give your children medicines in a syringe and sometimes you have to, you and the nurses are pinning them down you're trying to fire it in yeah. it's very distressing and i remember thinking jesus my idea cuz it's very unique in that it's <laughs> it's jelly so it it's to soothe the throat the jelly on the stick and remove the choke hazard but i was thinking well if you could get a lozenge you could essentially add medicines to it and you're taking the distress away yeah. From giving this administering these meds to kids, and I saw it so much on the wards like your child is already sick, you're stressed, the nurse is stressed, and you have to it's, it feels wrong, like you're feeling feels like you're harming them. Do yeah. you have to get these meds it's like in? A feed. So it was kind of reinforced during that kind of we were nearly a month in the hospital, and um, when I came out near your stay, I was thinking, would I, would I find out how I could make this? So I thought it was really simple. Anyone who's never started a business or invented a product thinks that's so easy. Yeah. So I sat down there and I Googled, how do you make a product from scratch? That was the Google search. Remember it clear as day. And a link to this website called Enterprise Ireland came up and I had no clue what that was. And it said, do you have an idea or a concept you'd like to explore? Fill in this form. Yeah. So back to being in school I and mean, being clever, I have no issue with English. Yeah. I'm, fill- I'm lucky like that. And I suppose that's what helped me. I filled in the form. I have an idea, a throat suitor for a young child, for sore throats and coughs, natural, honey, all the benefits. Going to add zinc and vitamin C for me and support. New, completely knew what it should be. Child friendly. I'm a mother. I'm also a pharmacy technician. I know both sides of the counter for the problem. I'd sell it in a pack of whatever and I could send and I forgot about it. And then the, few, the first works, this was New Year's Day. And then the first working day in January, say the following Monday, I got a call from New Frontiers, the programme called New Frontiers. And they said, we have saw your application. We think there's something in that, like, you should come in and talk to us. And I was like, you think that's good? Like, mm. you think I came up with something good and useful? And they're like, gosh, it's really interesting. Like, I think you're really on to something. Because we looked at this and there's nothing really in the market. And I'm like, no, I know there's not. And I went in and met them and they put me on the programme. And then I... Did not know I would like anything to do with business and I absolutely soaked it up like a sponge. So in my Leaving Cert, I studied really, really, really hard for science because I love science, right? I got a D on higher level. I got a B1 business studies, higher level, didn't open a book. So there's just obviously something.
2: There's a natural flair for it.
0: That I wouldn't have even, I hate it. I hate the teacher in business yeah. studies. I just used to hate going to the so, it's that's like that thing about school as well, and and having good teachers who care about the subjects we're teaching, so went on the thing, soaked it all up, felt really stupid. I'll tell you why I felt stupid again, the imposter syndrome, yeah. I was sitting with people who who had corporate backgrounds and they're like, I identified this need for this app around, you know, financial management or marketing. And these are all terms I didn't know. And you should to do like introduce yourself going around the room. And I was like, oh, God, don't don't be my turn. Like, don't forget, I was still on the on the meds and I was getting the counsel of what I wasn't super yeah. confident. I was like, oh, don't come to me because I knew what I, I was going to say. So one guy was working with like the University of California developing an app for brain damaged people to communicate by blinking. And it was real high tech, right? And they were like, stand up. What's your idea? And I was like, oh, Sinead, I want to put jelly on a stick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Felt so stupid. Like I felt really stupid. And you know what? Yeah. Out of that room, I'm the only one who's succeeded. 100
2: million percent. What year was that? 2017 And it's
0: 2023 now
2: mm-hmm. May Yep Bring us up to speed And where you are now
0: Up to speed now So The product I Always thought Would be a good idea Is now in 1400 pharmacies In Ireland Tonsticks Honey jelly pops For sore throats And dry coughs Let's get the plug in Yeah It's <laughs>
3: beautiful
0: <Yeah. laughs> For children too adults. up um, 1400 pharmacies We got listings in uh, On the island of Ireland Northern Ireland We shipped some to Cyprus Strangely enough and we've just secured, I suppose, a really significant contract with a big retailer in the UK, which I can't really discuss yeah. right now, um, got a business partner in. I, I met her, another mom, on New Frontiers and we kept in touch and she decided she would join me. I knew I needed uh, a partner to help me. She's engineer, marketing. Yeah. I was just starting a business, clear idea on where the product... So I knew you should have it in pharmacies because that's where parents go when their child is sick. You know when your child is sick... Mm but not sick enough to take to the doctor. Yeah. But you know something's brewing and you want that advice. Yeah. So I knew the product should sit there. I know everything about that pharmacy. I know everything that the mother's feeling. And then Denise was an engineer by trade and um, she'd run a business. So I thought those would be two. Uh, I mean, I mean, you need, need to get people yeah, who, who are better than you in other areas.
3: Yeah.
0: And, and we just got on well. We, we laughed yeah. together. So that's important for me. And I like being around her.
3: That's important as yeah. well in business, is if, if you're not strong one wanting and you know somebody else is, yeah. it might be a good idea to bring them in. No, it depends on whether you get on or yeah. you will get on as well. <laughs> but like, yeah. if, if 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 you think that they'll grow your business, yeah. you, you bring them yeah. in.
0: You know. There's no ego around that. You have to know what your strength is and what, what you're not so good at.
3: As of well. course. And you have to look at your time as well. Yeah. Have you got time to give uh, full, a yeah. full amount of time to give to a new yeah. business? Because that'll take all your time. Yeah.
0: But this is the other thing, when I was on New Frontiers, um, I had no money still, because now I'm on long parents full time, and I just had to keep applying for grants. But every grant, and it takes a long time to get grants through, and the forms yeah. could be 30 pages, and that's very off-putting, but my motivation was, if I get that grant through, I get to stay home with these a bit longer, and that was my motivation. And don't forget, I was getting well month on month I was getting well yeah. and those, ta- those thoughts literally one day just switched off. It switched it. It. And through this work that I didn't even know I was good at I started to like enjoy it. I started to, I couldn't wait for the alarm clock to get up yeah. where before I was like oh Christ how am I going to what am I going to do today how am I going to pay for this how am I going to get this sorted to oh my God I can't wait get them off to school hit the ground running I'm going to talk to this person today mm. and like I really want no you to life. know in this situation that it's a period of time, but it will pass. Yeah, you know. And if you are in that space, like for God's sake, don't don't take that action. It's, it's irreversible, you know. And I'm I'm so glad I cried so hard that night I couldn't see because I wouldn't be here with you today. My product wouldn't be in all these stores. Janet we've we, myself and my business partner secured 1.3 million in funding to build a factory to make this product. I, I was in, I, my house was getting repossessed six years ago, right? And it's just that thing of, when that happened to my son, I, I bore the whole brunt of that myself. I couldn't forgive myself. The first thing I had to do in my counsellor was forgive myself. It wasn't just me mm-hmm. who took me to this place. Events yes. happened and I did the best I could. Not pat myself on the back, you know. Um, but getting through each day is all you have to do. Yeah, you don't have to think of next Christmas you have to think of this week You uh, said
2: it there yourself like mm. this too shall pass and yeah. suicide is a long term solution to a short term problem is a good saying as well but mm. mm. like it's great like your story is amazing and it's very inspiring for single mothers in Ireland and beyond to yeah. so know that you can get through that this difficult times and better days lay ahead yeah. and you're enjoying the fruits you'll ever now. and I hope you remember us when
3: you're a millionaire
0: I hope when I'm a millionaire <laughs>
3: just <remember>. before <laughs> just before we do finish up, you know, when anybody starts a new business, there's a lot of new stuff coming down the road, change, but there's also a lot of fear. Fear. You know, like fear is something that will stop anybody in their tracks in forming a business or whatever, while it's going on to education or whatever. So it's, it's important as well. What would you give in one sentence? What would you give somebody um, to inspire them starting their own business that may be feeling that bit of fear as well?
0: Well, for me, I felt that I wasn't enough ever. I didn't have skills. The one sentence I would say is you can literally learn anything. Ireland, we are so lucky. I know we give out about a lot of it. The supports are there if you want to take them. And and, and more than one sentence, being on your own. You can be angry and bitter about your situation till the cows come home. But you absolutely have the power to change it. So Mm. the big thing you have to do is, first of all, accept the situation, Mm. right? Okay, maybe the other person isn't paying enough, Mm. okay? You can be angry about that and take back and forth to court to get more. Or you can go, right, that's what he's paying. What do I need to do now to bring in the rest of the money? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's it's your frame of mind and how you're going to approach it is what ultimately is going to get you through it. And and this this separation, lone parent, is this tiny part but you have all this other stuff over there here you can take. Yeah. If you choose to, just get a, go on a course. There's nothing but courses free of charge <clears throat> when your kids are in school. You don't have to think, I have to work 40 hours a week. You just have to say, can I spare two hours twice a week to do this course? Yeah. See, do I like it? Right. Just start.
2: Yeah, just start yeah. exactly build momentum. You never know where it'll go. Yep. Pleasure talking to you. Thanks Thank so much. Thank yeah. you. So good.
1: Yeah.
2: To meet you, And we look forward to seeing how you progress over the years and stay in touch. Thank and the best of luck.
3: Thank you. God bless. That contract is in the post, anyway. Yeah. Underwear. Yes. To be signed. So. <laughs> so thanks, man. Thanks.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well.